Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are at the LCMS convention in Milwaukee, and we have our usual segment of searching scripture that we're going to share with you today. Now, granted, this is pre-recorded at the LCMS convention. By the time we get to share this with you, the convention will have mm. concluded most likely, but we're going to share that with you in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live on Common. Joining us today, Pastor Tony Oliphant, pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. He's also the author of Searching Scripture in the August issue of The Lutheran Witness. Pastor Oliphant, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. And face-to-face. I know, actually in person this time. Right. We get to actually see each other face-to-face and study God's Word. And different co-hosts this, today, too. So Hello. Uh, the inaugural <laughs> Searching Scripture with, <laughs> with our friend Jordan here as well today. The August issue, we're taking a look at Philippians 3. Would you like to read that? We're like 3, 1 through 7, is that right? Yes. You want to start off with that text for us? Um, Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." So we're going to dig into these questions here. Any, anything you want us to know before we dig into your multi-part questions? Right, yeah. The, uh, the <laughs> Many paragraphs. Yes, the <laughs> multi-pronged yeah, questions here. First is we're going to be dealing with Paul's interactions with a group of people known as the Judaizers. The Judaizers appear in, the, in Acts. It's a group of people who believe that you know, having faith in Jesus is good and it's a good start. But if you're really going to be a true believer, then you also have to obey the law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. And that particularly includes the law of circumcision. So all, all men, all Christians are expected to be circumcised as demanded by the Mosaic law. And so Paul's going to be alluding to these people and directly addressing them at one point throughout the, in these seven verses here. We'll be touching on some of his other interactions. We'll see how it's just kind of part of the entire fabric of what Paul is dealing with as a pastor to these congregations. But we'll dig into that as we move through the questions. All right, we're going to dig into the questions. We are in the August issue of The Lutheran Witness, Searching Scripture. I believe it's on page 28, if I remember correctly, in Searching Scripture. All right, question number one. We see a transition from the general theme of this letter. In Philippians 3.1, Paul said it is no trouble to him to repeat his teaching because it is good for the Christians at Philippi. So read Philippians 3.2, uh, chapter 3, verse 2. Paul writes a powerful warning to the Philippians. Against whom is he warning them? And then we can, do you want to look at that or do you want to we'll, finish the question? Yeah, we'll take a look at that. And okay. I'll, I'll probably segue myself right into answering the rest of it. So, so remember, as Paul is writing this, this 
letter to the Philippians, this is a, a letter about thankfulness. So this is the joy that he has in all the good that God is doing for the Philippians and through the Philippians for the church at large. And so we've seen Paul just constantly writing about rejoicing and giving thanks. And we see this in verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And he's happy writing these things. It's no trouble for him to, to take joy in them, and it's safe for them. And then we have a definite change in tone in verse 2, where we go from, you know, happy Pastor Paul to, <laughs> to look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So there's a definite tone here. And it's because Paul is writing against, warning them against the Judaizers. Now we can tell from the most of the tone in his letter to the Philippians that it doesn't really seem like the Judaizers have really gotten much of a, a foothold in Philippi at this point. But we know that he's encountered them almost everywhere. And so he's aware that they kind of, they spread and that they do have a certain appeal to their teaching. It's something that makes sense to our fallen reason that, of course, we have to contribute to our salvation somehow. And so they're able to pick up adherence in pretty much every place that they show up. And so Paul is kind of preemptively warning them, kind of trying to inoculate them against some of the false teachings that he knows that they're going to hear from the Judaizers. And so this is why he tells them to look out. Watch out for them. Look out for the dogs, for those unclean ones. And that's actually a, a double insult that Paul is giving there. Remember, dogs at this point are unclean. And he's writing Ouch. about these people who view themselves as ceremonially cleaner and purer than anybody else and the Gentiles. And now he calls them the dogs. Um, and then he, he becomes much more pointed. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, those who are going to demand circumcision of be believers who are putting their faith fully in Christ. And so uh, there's a real change in tone here. This is the um, Paul who's, who's been rejoicing, and now Paul who is the spiritual father who's warning them against the people that are going to cause them harm in the future. And so we, we see this tone here, and we can read, if you really want to hear what Paul has to think about the Galatians, he gets very descriptive in some of his other books, especially um, in Galatians 2.4, which is the, the second half of this this multi-part question. <laughs> I was wondering I if I here. had to lead you yes. there, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we have uh, Paul here in Galatians 2 um, speaking again a bit about the Judaizers where he writes, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Here he's referring to the very first synodical convention ever, which took place in Jerusalem, in which there was this controversy. The Judaizers show up in Jerusalem and they start demanding that all of the believers, whether they're born Jews or Gentiles, obey the, the law given at Mount Sinai. And at that, they, they got on the convention floor and had it out. And, and the, the apostles ruled that this was not a requirement that would be given to all of the Gentile believers. And so then, Paul here is, again, when he writes to the Galatians, he already knows that, that the Judaizers are there in Galatia, so you're going to find some more colorful and stronger worded phrasing even in, in Galatians, even more than we've been reading in Philippians here. But you can definitely get a real taste that Paul, Paul recognizes this as spiritual poison, this legalism of the Judaizers, and he really wants to make sure that the Philippians are protected against it. It's no trouble for him to repeat himself as he has in all of these other letters, and he writes that it's actually safe for them to hear this. 
<laughs> Great. So I can move on to back to Philippians now, right? Yes. Yeah. We can, we can jump back so, into Philippians. So the, our, our second question here, our second point, read Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, and then jumping back, now read what you were talking about, what Paul has written to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. How does the circumcision offered by the Judaizers differ from the circumcision that Paul says is present among the Philippians? All right. So yeah, Paul here is going to have this very interesting little phrase here. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That here he's not just saying that, you know, we're the, the, the true Israel or the, you know, some kind of allegory, but he's saying we're actually the circumcision. And this is, we can see this language kind of more fully set out in Galatians 5, as the question points out here, verses 2 through 6, where Paul writes, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For, though the, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And so the, Paul here is going to be talking about this distinction. What the Judaizers offer you is law, and then if you keep it, you get more law. If you're going to enter into this covenant then you're obligated to keep the entire covenant. So it's not just going to be this one little add-on to your faith. It's going to be, this is going to be the defining feature of your faith is keeping all the law of Moses. Where he, where he says, no, but we are the true circumcision. We're the ones that are in this, this covenant of faith. And it's entirely Christ. We're justified not by the law. We're justified by, by Christ through the Spirit, by faith, that's why we're, that's how we're waiting for the hope of righteousness. That the things that we do, whether, whether we're Jew or Gentile, whether we're born into this covenant of Abraham, or whether we enter into it, enter the faith as a Gentile, you know, this is what a lot of the Philippians would have been Gentiles coming to faith. This is a Roman colony in Greece. None of that counts for anything. It's just the faith that's going to connect us to Christ who's the justifier and the savior. And so he's going to be constantly redirecting them back to that every time he can. Hmm. There's more to that question, right? Yes, there is. <laughs> yes. So the Judaizers said the only that only those who were keeping the law of Moses were children of Abraham and heirs of the promises given to him. Read Galatians 3, 23 to 29. How does Paul's description of the Philippian believers as the real circumcision explain who receives the promises of God? All right. So this is this is going to be one of the places where Paul doesn't just go doesn't just protect those that he's been bringing up in the faith, but he actually goes on the offensive and he goes after the Judaizers. The Judaizers are going to be boasting about how they're closer to Abraham, that they're actually his descendants, that they can trace their bloodlines, all of these great things. You know, all the stuff that Jesus shoots down, I guess he's talking to the Pharisees as well. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's having to deal with again. But he's writing here in Galatians just to kind of elucidate what we have in Philippians here. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is where he goes on the attack against the Judaizers. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so he's going to show that it's not just this kind of flimsy outward external connection that we have to the promises given to Abraham, but it's the promises given through faith. And that only comes to us through Christ. We are in searching scripture with Pastor Tony Oliphant. We'll continue the conversation here in the August issue of the Lutheran Witness on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are taking a look at the Searching Scripture column in the August issue of the Lutheran Witness. We also happen to be at the LCMS convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, while we're recording this with Pastor Tony Oliphant. We are on to question three. Three. All right, yes. question three. Read Philippians chapter three, verses four through six. Paul does not oppose the Judaizers because they threaten to outshine him. Quite the opposite. If they are right, then he is exactly what they should all be striving to be. What qualifications does Paul list that would have impressed the Judaizers? If we're looking to outward marks as signs of God's favor, what would we list? And then we have some, some references as well. We can get to those in a moment. So Philippians 3, 4 to 6, is that what you want to look at first? Yes, let's take a look at that. So one of the things that, that the Judaizers are constantly kind of leveling against Paul whenever they show up at a place where Paul has been preaching is they'll, they'll say, well, you know, look at Paul. He spends all of his time in prison. He's always in trouble with the law. He can't seem to hold on to any of his followers. I mean, clearly this is not the guy that you want to be following. You want to be following us. We're the super apostles, right? They even call themselves this. And so, and so they're always talking about how they're, they're able to outshine Paul. You can take a look at their works. You can take a look at their commitment. You can take a look at their success. And of course, that, that proves that they're on, the, they're on the right side. But Paul here is actually going to say, no, it's, it's not that you guys outshine me. If you want to start keeping score, this is my scorecard. He writes, if any, for though I, my, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day as actually demanded by the covenant. Now, this wasn't always possible in the ancient world. You wouldn't always have access to someone that could circumcise a child on an eighth day. Sometimes you'd have to wait. And so, and also it also shows he wasn't a convert, that he was actually born into it. And furthermore, he can still trace his lineage of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, it's important that he lists this tribe of Benjamin because for those of you who, for those of you who've read your Old Testament, you'll recognize, you'll realize that ten of the twelve tribes of Israel vanish; they're taken away into exile, 
and they just kind of get spread out over the course of these ancient empires. There are only two tribes that, that for sure can trace, them, trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham, and that is Judah, where our Lord comes from, and Benjamin. And so, and so he's saying he can trace it all the way back. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He knows exactly who he is. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means that he's not one of these Greek-speaking Hebrews who lives in these pagan cities in the Roman Empire, that he's a Jew who actually can read Hebrew. He knows his scriptures better than any of these, you know, they might be born Jewish in a, in a, a Greek or a Roman colony, but they speak Greek. <laughs> he doesn't. He speaks Hebrew. As to the law, a Pharisee, so he was the one who knew the law inside and out. He knew all of the exceptions and all the places that it had to be kept. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, he recognized that Christianity was not Judaism right from the start. And so he was a persecutor of the church, as we know from Acts. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he's saying, these guys are not outshining me. It's just that they think that they are. But if we want to play by their rules, I actually beat them. And so, so I mean, Paul here is, he's, he's really pointed on pretty thick, just making sure that if we want to play by the, if we want to play it by the law's rules, he's going to win this one. And you know, we do this too, though, don't we? If we're going to look for outward marks as signs of God's favor, we have these passages here, but I have to leave something for the people to do at home so you can look up the passages. But we know know the kinds of things that we look for, though, right? We look for money, success, comfort in the world, popularity, being on the right side of history, whatever that means. We we have these things that we zero in on, our, our fallen flesh zeroes in on, and we think if we have this, then we're doing something right. And so clearly that means that, that you know, if, if, if these nice things aren't happening for us, then we have to change course. Mm. And so Paul here is, he's, he's, he's showing us that these things haven't changed. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to look for these external marks of God's favor, but instead we're going to want to realize that all favor from God always comes to us only through Christ and it's received through faith. Number four. I'm ready. All right. In spite of a resume that would have seemed impressive to the Judaizers, Paul is not impressed with himself. Read Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to see what he thinks about his accomplishments. He not only says that they count for nothing, but that he counts them as lost for the sake of Christ. All of his credentials mean nothing when it comes to salvation. In fact, if we were to put trust in his own deeds, these things will become a hindrance to him. Paul does what he tells the Philippians to do and puts every ounce of trust in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished. All right, so Philippians 3.7, he writes, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And so it's not just as if Paul says, Okay, I have all of this, this long list of accomplishments according to the law, and now it's in a scale, and it doesn't weigh anything. And he actually says it's a, that he counts it as loss. That if he wants to put it in the scale, he's already lost it. If he wants to put it in the scale, he's already done the exact same thing that he's told the, the Judaizers that they have to do and keep the whole law. And so, so he's saying if his trust is going to be in these outward signs or these external keepings of the law, that it actually is going to be to his detriment. And so here it's not just as if it's a, a neutral thing, but when our salvation is on the line, any kind of addiction to the law, any kind of trust that we're putting in the stuff that we're doing, that's ultimately going to set us back. 
It's going to be damaging to us. And so here Paul's saying whatever gain he had, he's just going to count it as loss. That it's something that actually needs to be forgiven. And this is a really, I think, an important way for us to look at our lives if we really take our teaching of original sin and our need for salvation seriously, that we're never going to be able to tell Jesus that there's some corner of our life that we don't need him to save, that there's some sliver that we don't need his help in. <laughs> I got with. this part under control. It, exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> thanks for taking care of the 90% of stuff. Yeah. I've got this 10% yeah. fine. <laughs> that we, do, we don't ever want to just say that we have some corner of our life that we don't need Jesus in, but we're going to count everything as loss. Even the good things that we do, we're going to say, you know, whatever good you can do through this, do it. And whatever is mixed up in it that needs to be forgiven, forgive it. And so here, Paul, again, he's just, he's going all in with faith as the only way that we're justified. And he's encouraging the Philippians to really hold on to this before it even becomes a problem. And so, you know, it's one of those things that it, we constantly need these reminders over and over again because we've got the same problems that they had then. We still have that same original sin, that same, you know, opinion of ourselves that the, that the Pharisees, the Judaizers, even the believers that Paul raises in the faith and has to correct. But thank God that he does have these words of warning for us throughout his scriptures. Maybe you, not me. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, obviously. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, we joke about it, but isn't that what we do? I mean, yes, yeah, right. exactly. I, are, are we not like yeah. the Judaizers in some sense? Yeah. Yes. I thank you, Lord, that you've not made me like other men, even like that Pharisee. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? So we can, we, can, we can flip it around all these different ways. But yeah, ultimately, we just recognize that our entire lives, we need Christ's blood covering it. Indeed, even in conventions. Yes. Even at conventions. Good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts that on today's text? And what we're studying in Philippians. It seems like Paul is really, really changing course in the letter at this point in that he he is going kind of in this doctrinal protective mode. But ultimately, we're going to see that as we move forward through the letter again, it's it's all just going to plug into this gratitude, thankfulness and rejoicing. And this is going to turn into just yet another reason that Paul has to give thanks. Very good. Well, it'll be a month. And uh, we won't necessarily be in person next time. Right. Thank you very much for searching scripture with us today, Pastor Oliphant. My pleasure. You can uh, find more by visiting uh, lcms.org slash witness. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.